great future. We're talking real money. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if there was some sort of a designation, uh, a uh, an organization that you could depend on to carefully vet those people who provide investing advice to all of us? You would. It would be so much easier. Your life would be easier if you could know without a doubt that a person was always required to act in your best interests in a given set of circumstances with a particular uh, regulator's blessing or a, a, a letter designation behind their name. Uh, I'm Don. Tom's over there. We're here to talk real money with you. And one of the things we talk about a lot is the difficulty of finding good advice that is always in your best interest. And you might think, because the CFP people, they're telling you that that is the gold standard of letter designations behind a name. Certified Financial Planner, CFP. The CFP board has said publicly, that you must always act in the client's best interest to have the CFP designation behind your name. It requires education, testing, and supposedly good behavior. I say supposedly because... It doesn't appear that's the case. It doesn't. And let's we'll give you the numbers of that in just a minute. But there are more than 100 certifications available to professionals. And out of those, if you ask the public, and this is part sales job by the CFP board, if you ask the public in a general sense, they would tell you, see, the CFP designation stands out. And this from Investopedia, which I generally trust, it says one of the most notable requirements of the CFP is the fiduciary or trustworthiness aspect. This mandates that every CFP has to put their client's needs ahead of their own, which is really, that's what a registered investment advisory is required to do. And an investment advisor representative of that organization is required to put the client's interest ahead of their own. We'll talk about specifically what that means. But what about CFPs? Because again, from Investopedia, they say those three letters show that someone is qualified in financial and investment planning and that they provide an honest fiduciary benefit to their clients. Then how do they end up with all these black eyes? In fact, according to a recent article in one of the industry magazines, 6,300 CFP holders have a history of customer grievances, criminal complaints, and other matters. Wait a minute. What was that number again? 6,300. 6,300 6,300 people. Yep. Um, this That was a fact came up with by the Wall Street Journal and then reported again, as I say, in an industry publication called Financial planning. But what it also talked about is the CFP board thinks, yeah, we're going to clean this up a little bit because we're not only going to release the fact that people have disciplinary sanctions from the CFP board, they're now going to accompany those announcements of the suspensions and similar disciplinary measures with a short paragraph outlining the basic facts of the underlying cases and a link to documents laying out the alleged misconduct in detail. And I'm only laughing because how embarrassing would that be? And explaining the reasoning, the seasoning, the reasoning behind whatever sanctions were imposed. In other words, they're not just going to say Joe Brown got in trouble for this. 
they're going to show you the more specific. So if you want to dive into it, and they're hoping this additional information will both deter other advisors from misconduct and show the public that the CFB board takes its ethical standards seriously. But my question to you is, do they? Uh, I don't think they do. I honestly do not believe they do because the proof to me is in the pudding, in the pudding or pudding. I thought you'd never Uh, bring up pudding again, but okay, go ahead. Well, I, I know of, and you know of too, a number of people who have a CFP designation behind their name who, um, who do things that, that are not in their client's best interests. Uh, a lot of them are, there's a very well-known gentleman in the Seattle area where you are, Tom. Yep. Who, right down the street. Uh, had a radio show and Many TV years. things. Yep. And, yep. and uh, he's got CFP behind his name, but we know for an absolute fact, a fact, that his firm and he sell indexed annuities. I don't which, see how you can do that and say I'm a fiduciary. That I, I don't think, know. I think how they do it, honestly, I think how they do it is, 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 um, in their ADV, just tell well, people there's because, this conflict? No, be, because they're not selling, for example, they are, this firm that I'm talking about, they're, they're, uh, a, um, they're an investment advisory firm yep. with the SEC. They are not a broker-dealer, so they don't sell securities. So I think that's where they're splitting hairs. Their quibble comes in. I think they're saying, I think to themselves, this is their justification, they're saying, well, we don't sell securities on commission. Insurance is different because it's not regulated by the SEC or FINRA. Therefore, it's a different thing. My guess is that's how they justify it to themselves and maybe even to the CFP board. And my guess is the CFP board really doesn't want to come down. No, they don't. I think they want to keep their members and I don't think they like talking about this stuff. But let me ask you another question. The fact is, in this industry, the part that we we don't we only talk about a very small part of the industry, and that is registered investment advisors. Most of the people giving you advice work for major major brokerages. They work for insurance companies. So, if I work at Merrill Lynch and I'm a CFP, does that mean I'm a 100 percent fiduciary? It. <laughs> I mean, this is the uh, this okay. Is where it's, it's it's confusing. It is, and and uh, the thing is, is that recently, just a couple of years ago. The CFP board said they came out and stated very clearly that you must, 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 must always act as a fiduciary. They used to have wiggle words in their description that when you are giving an advice to someone, you must act. And giving advice, they actually separated a bit from selling products. So when you're selling products, you're no longer giving advice. Does that make sense? That's exactly what they I, they, they I, were thinking. Kinda, I guess. Yeah. It's very well, confusing. again, I mean, it's it's splitting hairs, and it is. And here's the thing about to me as as somebody trying to look outside the industry in, even though I'm inside the industry, as a guy who's been a journalist for many many years. When you talk to others about this, uh, there's one person that uh, has a financial planning uh, company, and he says in his mind there's still too many advisors with lengthy lengthy complaint records who continue to bear the certification. This is the problem I have is number one, 
if you think you go to a CFP and you're going to get the straight skinny, you're going to get somebody who's acting in your best interest and they do something that's bad. They're one of the 6,300 that had a problem. Well, by then for most people, it's too late. It doesn't matter. And he says that they continue to let these people be CFP. They got the mark. They're going to continue to use it. That is, I think a huge problem. Another one calls this nothing more than cosmetic changes, which I think you're right, Don. I think they need to tell people if you're going to have the CFP board approve you and and use the CFP designation that you have to be a 100% fee-only fiduciary, period. Or what's going to happen is this is going to continue to get whittled down. I mean, you can't trust them. You can't really trust the SEC. You can't trust FINRA because this is all after the misdeeds. You've got to hire an ethical organization that is a 100% fiduciary. That's it because anybody else could be either duly registered, as you pointed out, or they're using this little wiggle room where they're getting around this somehow. They're still getting these products in there that are not in your best interest while pretending to do the right thing for you. That's the ones where I have the real issue with. Well, I have an issue. I really just have an, an issue with the the credibility of the CFP board. Um, I, I don't think that it's the SEC has not been given a firm enough mandate by Congress to allow them to really do what they need to do to make it clear what fiduciary advice is. I think that Congress is not they they've been lobbied by the insurance industry particularly to keep from requiring that those who sell insurance products act as fiduciaries. They've worked very hard, particularly when it comes to indexed annuity sales. They've worked really hard. The, the SEC, to their credit, tried to regulate them, and the uh, the lobbyists got to Congress and pressed to not have that regulation. I really think that it's the, the CFP board is, um, well, they're, they're hypocritical. They're conflicted. They I think they're members. hypocritical. I think okay. I think conflicted is too nice. Uh, well, I'm the nicer of the two of us. We've well, already stated true. that. So, but this is the thing I think you, as a listener, need need to know. CFP is not a guarantee. It even kind of rhymes, right? CFP not a guarantee, because I think a CFP is someone who is serious about the industry. I think most of the advisors here are either getting one or have one in our organization. It is someone who now has a greater understanding of the big picture. You're not just going to walk in and get a portfolio. There's going to be financial planning. There's going to be tax planning. There's going to be consideration of the state, all of those things, very important. And it is someone who has more generally experience in the industry because there's a requirement as to how long you've worked here. So it's not somebody who's going to just walk in the door and start selling you a product. I believe that. But the CFP is not a guarantee, not a guarantee that you're going to be treated right, that your interests will become before theirs, and that that person's in an ethical organization, which I think is more important, frankly, than the individual. Because I'm sure there's very fine individuals that are out selling insurance products that think they're doing the right thing because they've been told by their organization, this is the right thing, when it most clearly is not in the client's best interest. Ethical organizations, that's the place to start, I think, Don, for all of these things. And the CFP board should clean this all up and just pasting more information up on some of these disciplinary matters is not going to do it. Ah, while you were talking, I, I did a little bit of checking on the gentleman we're talking about in the, uh, the Redmond area in the Seattle area. 
who sold index annuities and who does has a, have a CFP behind his name, at least on his websites and his LinkedIn and very, well, no, it doesn't seem that it's on his LinkedIn. Isn't that curious? That is odd. Now you can, yeah, let's just do a Maybe little more. This looking. hasn't updated the website and he's lost. Because uh, I went and looked on the CFP board website and they have a search tool. That you can go look at the people that have the CFP designation. Go look at the people who wow. have the designation. And I typed in his name. So it should be pretty black and white as to who's up there. <laughs> it should be pretty black and white. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, right. let's see. Let me just try this. And I'm just going to put in, I'm just going to put the name in without any, any other identifying things and see if anybody comes up. Yes. There's one guy with that name and it's not him. So this is a bit of a mystery. But so I wait mean, a minute. Yeah. What that's telling me is that maybe the CFP board did something has you, yanked I think at his point, credentialing. At one point, you complained to them or said something. I did, and said, I did. "Why? I said, how do they do this? this guy be right. an advisor? I or you can be an advisor. You can't be a CFP. Be a CFP? Yeah. yeah, I I think you had complained. So Don McDonald uh, derailing the CFP career well, of someone. So I'm gonna we'll have see. to send him another note saying, "Well, he's still saying he is, which he should not be saying. Certainly, if he does not have the designation any longer, isn't that interesting?" Yeah, can't find it. All righty. Well, gee, that was a fun topic. But okay, here's the here's the bigger question. How do you find somebody who's going to act in your best interests? Well, it it has to be a one hundred percent fee only fiduciary. Says they are hundred percent, hundred percent. They are. Then you're going to have to go to the website and read it yourself. Because yeah. if you go to somebody's ADV, it will say conflicts of interest, and you will see there that they have to list those. And the fact that they have conflicts of interest should tell you, right, that should be the big ding, 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 uh, and say, not going to work with these people. And by the way, this another thing that comes up regularly, everybody in this business is a nice person, okay? We've said this yeah. ad nauseum. They're all nice people. Number two, just because they work for your parents or your brother or your sister does not mean that they're going to act in your best interest. Just means that that's somebody your family's worked with for a long time. And at that point of inflection, when it's now your money to deal with, you need to make the decision that's right for you. So, yes, and at our website, we list a few people, not everybody. There's lots of people that do what we do and do it very well. We're not the only people out there, but you should hire somebody at least like us to take care of you. I'll put it that way. Oh, I did find him on another, uh, the the letsmakeaplan.org, where you can yeah, find right. a CFP yeah. professional. Yep. And I did find him there. Uh, but what's interesting is that on this other page where I looked for him, that was, it basically said, verify a CFP professional. Oh, it appears to me, maybe the, I, I sh maybe I should call the CFP people and talk to them because they have a site that says verify a CFP professional. Right. You can type somebody's name in. This is, it says nearly a hundred thousand individuals currently meet the CFP board's initial and ongoing certification. Okay. He's yep. not under that. Which is very interesting because you but said he still he mentions is, it on his website. Well, and he is, if I go to um, the uh, let's make a plan.org where you can just look up a CFP, he is listed there. 
That's fascinating. I wonder why. This is a question. This is a question for a future episode. I, I think, think it is. I think you need to dive deeper there. I do too. Find this out. This is interesting. Okay. Well, look forward to that on a future episode. I can't wait to find the answer to this question. Uh, do you have any questions for us, Tom? Yes, I do, actually. This? Uh, this one comes from Anthem, Arizona. Joshua writes, uh, just finished reading The Power of Zero by David McKnight. Are his strategies good advice or is he full of it? Even though I'm 50-50 on taxable versus tax deferred, I'm in a panic now that I've got too much in tax deferred. Love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Now, oh, I took is that liberty. that stupid cash value life thing? No, I looked it up. and it Well, it does get into the permanent lerp, life or something. Lerp, lerps or whatever. Though, you're going to know more about those than I do. Oh. But he does talk about the fact, and here's one of the problems I have is Mr. McKnight is saying tax rates will be higher in the future, that they have to go up because of the deficits, interest, whatever the reason, but they have to go higher. So that means, according to Mr. McKnight, you should pay as much taxes, many taxes now on your investment so that you don't have to pay as much later. In other words, have as much Roth as you can. Taxable is better because the rate on on uh, brokerage type of accounts is lower than it would be on tax deferred. I have no argument with that. The devil on these things is always the detail, right? What am I going to do instead of having traditional 401ks or IRAs? Now, we have long advocated that you have some in pre-tax, some in Roth post-tax, and some in taxable, because that opens up a lot of windows when you retire as to where you pull the money from. I think that makes great sense. He gets into these other products, the LERP. I, it makes me nervous because that's oh. an insurance product. And I yeah, would not those trust are insurance it. products. Yeah. And the, the, the trick is, and, and I, I do have so many problems with this. This is my belief is this is a way to uh, help make insurance agents richer. Uh, I think because, you're right. Because you're, you buy these life insurance policies and then you don't take income from the policies you borrow against the policies which is a non-taxable loan but you've got to pay yourself back or the policy back yep. over time and there are a lot of problems that don't get discussed uh this is this is not a suitable substitute for a retirement plan at work it is a it's a gimmick. They're, they, these products are very expensive and you must, you're going to pay commissions. You're going to pay commissions. And you need to remember that if ever you, because remember this is life insurance. So there will be premiums. If ever those premiums or payments are not made, the policy can lapse and the loans become immediately due and taxable. And can you guarantee taxes are going to go up in 2026 and beyond? No. Anybody who says can. that is full of hot air. Right. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Apparently, that. anybody who's doing this is either selling life insurance or trying to sell a book or both. Yeah. May, oh, may wait. A combination. Uh, wh who's the guy? What's his David name McKnight, M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T, Power of Zero. And no, by I, the I way, Joshua, thank you. His, and uh, I will say, I did not read the book. I just went online and read several synopses, several there, reviews, just to see what was in David it. So McKnight. I'm not going to pretend that I have great detail on what Mr. McKnight's saying, other than kind of knowing his overall thesis, if you will. Okay. Hold on. Let's see. David McKnight, uh, insurance. Is he an insurance broker? I'm betting he is. I, I'm just betting he is. Not a hundred percent sure, but, uh, 
Let's see. David McKnight. You know, that's the problem. You don't have to. Is that him? It does look like him. Uh, I do see a David McKnight selling insurance in Florida. So Fairly common name, so it might be hard to find. Yeah, yeah. All, All right. right. Any anyway, others? Yeah, I got another one here from John in Milwaukee. My wife and her siblings have a small company, LLC, limited liability company, that's used to manage family land that gets lumbered every 10 years or so. Maybe timbered? You're taking down Yeah, trees? timbered, lumbered, okay. lumbered yeah. and timbered. Yeah, okay. Right now, they have LLC's slush fund, approximately $30,000, sitting in a bank account earning nothing. I was wondering where this could, should be placed to earn a little interest and hopefully beat inflation. I'd like it to remain liquid somewhat, but it really should not be needed in any short term as it's generally used to manage the land periodically. No no risk, high return, short-term liquidity. You got that one ready to go? Sure. <laughs> not high return, uh, beating inflation. Go, I mean, the problem yeah. with any cash what beating inflation, it's... It, it, you might get lucky and if you put it in a money market, still make 5% for the next year. I don't know. Those are going to change as rates change. That changes. There's no real, I mean, you could buy a one-year CD now, which I don't know. What is, what's that paying? That's five. probably, yeah, I'm going to bet it's still in the fours, but who knows? No, maybe it's no, five. no, no, no. But you get no. past two or three years, it's going to be back in the fours. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so- and then that's not liquid all the time, right? Because if you needed to, you know, borrow, you'd have to borrow money to take care of things. You don't really want to do that. Um, you know, I mean, this, I still like, um, and I use Schwab's money market, which is now paying 5%, 5 point something, 5.2, 5.3. It's liquid. I could get the money tomorrow if I needed it. I still like short-term high yield savings accounts, which I think you could still get at five. Here's the, the, the issue you really face here, John, is getting the money out of the bank that it's in today because Bank of America is still paying 0.1%. Major get away with this because it's the inertia. People, oh, the money's there. It's okay. It's taken care of. I know the same amount's going to be there tomorrow. It is. But the fact is you're losing to it correctly. You correctly point out inflation. So I would still get out of a major bank into one of those other places, but there really is nowhere to, as you term, beat inflation. That's problematic. Well, beating anything consistently requires something that you is a negative. It requires a, a, a negative. Beating anything, beating the market, beating the, the the current low rates, whatever it is, you have to add something on. You have to either take on less liquidity, you have to accept less liquidity, higher risk, or a combination thereof. There's no, uh, in other words, no free lunch out there. No, it's doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Um, and I was, I'm sorry if I got a little worked up about beating inflation and liquidity and all. i but, but the point of the matter is just get it out of the you major bank all that worked out all right just but just really get did. it out of a major bank they're not paying you anything so if it's the bank of america as we've talked about ad nauseum don't leave your cash there that is inefficient no doubt about it and i don't like oh, them yeah. because they're they're never going to pay you anything because they don't have to pay you anything right exactly why would they care why would oh, they care and, and he was in the insurance industry i don't know if he still is but uh yeah. mr mcknight we're referring McKnight, to yes. okay Maybe he still has friends there and he's pitching him. Speaking of friends, our friends are getting together on February 24th, just a little over 10 days away or so uh, by the time this airs. So um, I don't want you to join us there anymore. I can't keep up. <laughs> and you can hear from Don in person on virtual. How do I say that? On TV, on virtual. I mean, whatever. On it is. a computer. On a computer. So um, you don't have to come to Seattle to see us. It's going to be 
Well, no, you can't come to broadcast. Seattle and see us. You can, but no. you won't be able to get inside the arena. But you you won't be, yeah, it's sold out. You can't yeah, get in. I know. I know. So uh, join us for Retire Meet. It's our 10th year. Love to have you jump on board. Nominal charge to do that. It includes a full day of speakers. Yes, the two of us are going to be there. Our friend Paul Merriman's dropping by. Weston Wellington from Dimensional. At many more. Herb Weisbaum about prote- uh, protecting yourself from fraud. We've got Kevin Peterson on Medicare, Tina Hall on housing, purpose in retirement, all of this stuff. And it's going to be a great day. So retiremeet.com is where you register. Uh, Saturday, February 24th begins at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Get or like the rest of the country typically says, 11 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, the, the other part. That's on the other coast. Anyways, 11 I would Eastern, be joining from there. 10 Central. They don't even mention Mountain and Pacific. No, nah, we're just so far out there. They don't care about us. Sorry no, to say. Yeah, it's there. okay. But All right, up. everybody. Thanks for being a part of the program. We appreciate you being there very, very much. And uh, hope you'll tell a friend or two or a thousand. Because the more, the more who listen, the better it is for all of us. The better it is for America. Building a better America, one podcast listener at a time. Thankful we're past the one, but okay, that's good. Because we hang out all the time talking real money. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by a Pella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. Is anybody still listening?